Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream on the fourth cloudy day in a row. We've had four cloudy days in a row here in the great state of New Jersey. Rated by the U.S. News and World Report three years running as the best state in the United States. Why is that? That's because it combines basically everything you need. We're an hour away from two major cities. We have beach. We have an international airport. One of the best international airports you're ever going to go to because it's so easy to navigate. So easy to deal with. Right in the center, east coast side center of the, of the state. It's called Liberty International Airport. And Liberty International Airport, it goes all over the world, right? And it's so easy. You could see the whole airport in one view. Terminal A, Terminal B, Terminal C. You ride in, and it gives you signs. What is your airline? Let's say you're Turkish airline. You just keep going until you go to T. You hit T, it'll tell you, go to Terminal C, for example. You go to Terminal C. You go to Fork in the Road. Drop off, short-term parking, long-term parking. Okay, then you park your car, whether it's short term parking, long term. And there's no such thing as shuttles and long elevators and long walkways. We don't have any of that in, in, in good old uh, Newark Airport, Liberty International Airport. I don't want, I never want to go out of JFK. Oh, if we ever have to go to O'Hare, this is it's not an airport. It's a city. O'Hare Airport to get from one flight to the next you better budget 45 to an hour okay o'hare it's at a different level o'hare airport is a city by itself it's a town by itself it's like heathrow or dubai airport i think it's or emirates one of these airports. there's a these are like towns you're not stopping at an airport to go somewhere else so anybody who's got to travel regularly if you travel regularly newark is beautiful it's amazing you just go in, boom, boom, boom. You start to know the people, by the way. Like, you'll know the people after a while. Okay, because it's so small. But it's international, which means you can go... Oh, Qatar has flights there. So if you're from India, take Qatar Airways. Boom, boom. Do they probably have uh, India Airways. And they're going to change their name, probably. Baharat. Whatever it is. <clears throat> I'm very sad to be quite honest with you guys. I have to tell you because anytime some of the old uh, turath of the Islamic world is lost or altered, it gives you some sadness. And that's what's happening in Egypt. Okay. Masjid al-Imam al-Shafi'i. There's an article here called Egypt is exhuming the dead and evicting the living. This just was released yesterday in the New York Times. Okay, what is happening in Egypt? Uh, a lot of people are buried around Imam al-Shafi. Let's just read this and see, what, see what's going on. It's not Wednesday Affairs of the Ummah, but that's okay. Um, Imam al-Shafi, 9th century holy man, he calls him. What, what kind of article is this when you're a Muslim? Alim, scholar, 9th century holy man, like some kind of medicine man or something. This is a Muslim writing this op-ed. Hussein Omar. Mr. Omar is a writer and a historian, Musaqqaf. But he's telling, he's saying, a 9th century holy man. All right, that's a very weird way of putting it. And he has a magnificent, 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 can't read today, shrine uh, there in Egypt. My family has five mausoleums in the vicinity. 
way back from the 1700s, okay? There are gardens. There are beautiful um, chandeliers, etc. Grievers go there. They can hold all night vigils type. For the most part, tradition of spending night the night among the dead has itself died out. All right, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's called the city of the dead. It's called the city of the dead because there's so many graves there, some luminaries and many regular people, the non-luminaries. And then there are people who live amongst them that take care of them. So it's called the city of the dead. Okay. And now what's happening? Big changes. The dead are now being exhumed. The living are being evicted. And the historic buildings that house them both are being bulldozed. It's being raised. Why? For a highway that has been cruelly named Passage to Paradise. All right. It's a series of highways and flyover bridges that the government claims will relieve some of Cairo's notorious traffic congestion. This project, ongoing since 2019, is now ramping up. So where is it? Um, where is Imam Shafi's mausoleum, you know, affected? Anyway, this whole plan is for the modernization of Cairo. If you're in Cairo, you know about a lot of the new building that's taking place in the last decade. Hundreds of thousands of people and demolishing centuries-old buildings is part of the development. So my outrage at this violent erasure of his history isn't due to a romantic aesthetic attachment to the past or even the possible loss of my mother's grave. It's because these demolitions are part of a larger plan, okay, with terrifying implications for democracy and demography alike. Okay, I'm reading this. I think the guy is a bit, his, his, uh, all right, let's just see what he says. Over the past decade, a series of the wildly unpopular mass evictions have become critical to realizing the general's vision of development. The state's violent and violently enforced version of history has been used to deny families their homes. Okay. Since 2017, he evicted 200,000 people from Al-Warraq Island. Okay. Officials claim that residents are squatters. Since 2018, 4,000 people were evicted. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Where is the portion on? Sisi isn't just indifferent to modern Egypt's history. He resents it. The histories that I learned of from the city of the dead get in the way of the putatively pristine pharaonic past. In 2021, he orchestrated a military parade of royal mummies to drum up support for a potential war against Ethiopia. The ruling military clique effaced all signs of the Arab Spring. Okay, so that's why he's saying he the modern history. Uh, cobbling together a martial monument of rams and obelisks pillaged from ancient sites. Okay. Recently, Cairo's municipal government announced that it intends to rename Al-Warraq after Horus, the ancient deity. They're all about, okay, they're all about the ancient pharaonic history, and they sort of, get, that, that's what they like. They don't not really into the Islamic history. Uh, there's obvious reasons for that. 
you point to an Islamic history, you're going to say, well, what about Islamic living, way of living? What about Islamic way of governing? That's why, you know, they're not really into that. His inspiration is pharaonic, but his rule recalls less glorious uh, episodes of modern history. Okay. He, they loathe the 19th century Ottoman governor, uh, 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 any Ottoman memory. Okay. Those are some good days for the people. For Sisi, the 19th and 20th century associated with war and politics. Right, get to the part for his chef. Okay. All right, here we go. The city of the dead is part of historic Cairo a world heritage site, all right? And the United Nations, UNESCO, uh, they're sounding alarms, okay? They're sounding alarms that this area with the mausoleums around it is being removed, all right? All right, there's no mention specifically of a chefe here, Mesut Imam Shefe. Interesting. Very interesting, but I thought that there would there would be some direct mention of a chef's uh, grave, but nonetheless, let's turn to our t- tafsir today. It's Tuesday. We read tafsir on Tuesday, and let's turn to that where we left off. قال المفسرون نزلت الآيات you all know who Hatib ibn Abi Balta is. He's a great companion, attended the Battle of Badr, is a migrant from Mecca to Medina. All right. And ended up what happened was that he had, he, they were not Meccans, although he lived in Mecca, they were not Quraysh. So he needed some kind of, you can say, um, reason. For, for Quraysh to, to bestow a favor upon him and his family, to protect his family. And what was that reason? So he said that when the Prophet ﷺ, the conquest of Mecca became apparent, he then sent a letter to his family. And he said to his family, go and, and tell Abu Sufyan that the Prophet ﷺ is coming. Okay? And... Because of that, he, uh, he, 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 number one, knew that when the victory of Allah is coming, it's coming. Nothing's stopping it. My action is not going to stop it. So I just try to benefit from it. And what this lesson is, is the lesson that we don't act upon mukashafat. We're not allowed to act upon them except between two halal options. The mukashafat or spiritual insights, or wisdoms, or not wisdoms, but but knowing how the creation works with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How does Allah work in his creation? Sorry, that's the correct expression. Okay. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala interacts with his creation. There are signs that indicate success is coming. That there's not, you're not stopping it. He knew those signs. This is, he's a harif billah. This is the work of the Arifin. He knows these signs. But we're not allowed to act upon them in contradiction to the Sharia. So this is what he essentially what he did. Okay. 
ابن صيف ابن هاشم ابن عبد المناف أتت المدينة من مكة ورسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يتجهز لفتح مكة فقال لها رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أمسلمة جئت أمسلمة جئت قالت لا قال أمهاجرة جئت قالت لا قال فما جاء بك قالت كنت الأصل والعشيرة والموالي كنتم الأصل والعشيرة والموالي وقد ذهبت ذهبت موالي وقد احتجت حاجة شديدة فقدمت عليكم لتعطوني وتكسوني وتحملوني قال لها وأين أنت من شبان مكة وكانت مغنية نائحة قالت ما طلب مني شيء بعد وقعة بدر فعطى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بني عبد المطلب وبني المطلب فأعطوها النفقة وكسوها وحملوها فتها حاطب uh, Listen to this A woman comes to Medina A known woman, a famous woman The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says Are you coming as Okay Her name was Sarah are you coming as a Muslim? No, she said. Not a Muslim. Are you coming as a muhajir? Maybe she wants to say more than a Muslim. A muhajir. No. I'm not coming as a muhajir. Prophet said, then what brings you? Okay. She said, all of my, the males who used to take care of me are gone. And the Prophet said, but you were a successful singer. She said, nobody's been asking for singing since the Battle of Badr. There's been too much death. There's, there's sadness. Okay? Too much death, too much sadness. So the Prophet ﷺ says to the Sahaba, he says to them, he's, he points to two Sahaba who are close to her and says, go and, and give her new clothes, give her food, take care of her. Subhanallah, now Medina is becoming the place of refuge for poor mushriks. And the Prophet ﷺ said, give her what she needs and send her off. Now, she's not going to live there now, but she's going to get what she needs and send her off. There, Hatib ibn Abi Balta'a, he said, oh, you're going back to Medina? She says, yes. Uh, I mean, to Mecca, she says, yes. Now, let's see what he says here. فأتاها حاطب بن أبي بلتعة حليف بني أسد بن عبد العزة فكتب معها إلى أهل مكة وأعطاها عشرة دنانير take these 10 gold coins take this letter okay alright and he gave her like the woolen thing that goes over the donkey right when you ride a donkey there's you don't ride on a saddle for a donkey, you just ride on a barad. It's called a barad. You just like piece, it's like wool cloth, right? Sticks onto the donkey. It usually has pockets on the side, okay? So he gave her one of those and 10 gold coins. Take this book to the leaders of Mecca. Oh, this, this letter, sorry. What does the letter say? From Hatib ibn Abi Balta to the people of Mecca. The messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is seeking you out. Yuridukum. Yuridukum. Fakhudu hidrakum. Be very careful. Get yourselves ready. The Prophet's coming. Fakhudu hidrakum. Fakharajat sar. So the girl, the lady, 
she leaves. وَنَزَلَ جِبْرِيلٌ فَأَخْبَرَ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ جِبْرِيلٌ descends and informs the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم of what he did. So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم sent Sayyidina Ali, Sayyidina Ammar ibn Yasir, and Sayyidina Zubair, and Sayyidina Talha, and Miqdad ibn al-Aswad, and Aba al-Mirthad. This is a strong group of companions. No one's messing with them. He said, انطلقوا حتى تأتوا روضة خاخ فإن بها ضعينة بها ضعينة معها كتاب كتاب من حاطب ابن أبي بلتع إلى المشركين فخذوه منها وخلوا سبيلها leave the woman but get the letter at this go out go in this direction towards Mecca there's gonna be an orchard go to the orchard there you'll find a woman that woman all right that woman she has a letter. Get the letter. He didn't tell them what the letter is, what's in the letter. But let the woman go because she's innocent. Okay? And if she doesn't give you the letter, then she's up for execution. Why? Because this is state secrets in here. Okay? They went there. They went to the orchard. Lo and behold, there's a woman there. There is the woman. Okay. She's there. She swears by Allah, I don't have any such letter. They open her the pockets of her stuff, their her her bags, etc. Okay? Mata'aha. Falam yajidu ma'aha kitaban. They didn't find a letter there. All right? Fahamu birruju'a. They said this must not be the right woman. Let's go back. There's nothing. She doesn't have anything. Wait a second. What is the epistemology here? The epistemology is the prophet said something. Your eyes saw something different. What's the ruling? How do we balance this equation? Uh, okay. Your eyes must have not looked properly. That's how we balance the equation. Right or wrong. That's how you balance such an equation. Because the prophet's word is going to be the truth. Therefore, if the prophet's word, my actions don't match, or that my eyes, what I my eyes see, does not match what the prophet said you're going to find, that means I haven't looked properly. So they all said, let's go back, except one, who? One person, Ali ibn Abi Talib. Okay. Wallahi, ma kathabna wa la kathaba Rasulullah. The prophets, he said, okay, the prophet didn't lie. And we're not lying. There must be something beyond this. He took his sword out. As soon as, okay, uh, he takes the sword out, he tells her, bring the letter or we're strip searching you. And then killing you. Okay? As soon as she saw how serious he was, she untied her hair that was done up. Inside of her hair was the letter. Okay? Then they let her go. And they didn't touch her. They didn't touch her. Right? Nor anything that she has with her. Okay? I'm telling you, you hear that sword sound effect, all of a sudden, boom. 
It's like in the in the old days, that's the sound. Today, it's clicking back the the gun, right? As soon as you hear that click, oh, they mean business. Why do I need to negotiate when I got a sword? Think about that, right? And there's a, there there there's there's a person that was doing something bad, a young person that was doing something that wasn't good. And everyone was like, we need to stop him. I was like, man, do you know what this guy's mom would do to him, right, if she found out? Why are you guys having meetings? Pull the guy and say, listen, you got one day to finish this and get your act together. We're telling your mom, why do I need to have a negotiation, okay, when I have a sledgehammer in my hand? understand to be honest say daddy he says the prophet's not lying we're we're not lying you're lying then right math equation take the sword out right (laughs) and you pull that thing out you make sure it's leaning against the sheath so that you know there's more friction so that when you pull it out right it makes a nice long noise gets in your head okay i like uh um, it's funny. There used to be a hockey player named Bobby Hull. This guy's one of the legends. Okay, back in the old days, before goalies used to wear face masks and helmets. Imagine a hockey goalie did not used to wear helmets. Why was the reason for that? Is that the reason for that was the sticks that they used to use were flat, and when you have flat sticks, the whole game is on the ground. It's very rare for the puck to be airborne. Now, Bobby Hall, one day, he goes into the, walks into the locker room, accidentally, on his way out, all right, uh, he, he, his stick gets jammed in the door, he cracks his stick. He didn't realize it cracked, but his stick cracked, okay? He didn't realize it cracked. He's getting on the ice, he's playing, he's like, oh, my stick is cracked. This is the day, back in the day, where, like, professional hockey players had, like, side jobs, not like today where there's a thousand sticks, a thousand rolls of tape, a thousand assistants. No. You had a coach, you had a GM, and you dealt with your own equipment. There was no equipment manager or any of that stuff in the old days. Okay? There's even before I used to watch. We're talking 50s and 60s. So he's like, I only got one stick. I got to use it. So he starts taping it really strong. It's cracked in the middle. And it's curved now because of the crack. So he takes a shot, and he's like, oh, my gosh. With ease, I elevate the puck. He was the one, because of that accident, who discovered the concept of the curved hockey stick that helps you elevate the puck. So he goes there, and he goes to somebody, and all of a sudden, what do they do? You heat up the, the wood. You heat it up with, like, a torch, and you bend it, bend it, bend it. Everyone's like, what in the world are you doing? It's like, do you see? He goes out next game, and he is flinging that thing. He's flinging it. You fire it in any direction you want at this point, any height, any level you want. So at this point, he gets himself a new technique. He discovers a new technique. Now that he could lift the puck. He says, first shift, I go out there, because hockey's in shifts. You play for about a minute and a half. You go off on the fly. A new group of guys come out because it's tiring. He goes the first Time I get a chance to touch the puck. Every game I fire a whistle. I, 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 I whip it right towards the goalie's head. Okay? 
And this is the first time pucks are getting airborne now, right? They're getting off the ice. The goalie's ducking, and then they hear it hit the glass because there's all glass, fiberglass, all around, like a windshield. And they watch the puck go right off, almost hit their head, hits the glass, and winds all the way around, right? And this is where, like, the side effects of stuff come click 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 because this the the panels of glass they're straight panels right so there's a little barrier connecting between panels so he fires hits the glass click 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 all around and he watches the goalie's eyes looking oh my stomach got my head chopped off the sound effect gets inside of him right that's like this right the sound effect of the sword all right, all right, she gives up. I give up, I give up. Like, when you're dealing with somebody and you don't like the conversation, all of a sudden you hear click. Oh, forget this. There's not a conversation anymore, right? It's not a conversation. Who has the bigger gun? And that's the end of the discussion, right? It's really, there's no discussion, okay? So she had hit it in her hair. So they let her go. And they came back to with the letter to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There were people around. He sends for Hatib. I think I read one time that it was like they had just prayed Maghrib or something. Everyone was there. Okay. He picks it up. And he says, Hatib, you ever seen this letter before? He says, yes. He says, what made you do what you did? You are Hatib. You are the known, beloved, loyalist, companion. Okay, Ya Rasulullah, I am not a kafir now. I did not reject this message. Okay, nor am I cheating you. Okay, nor am I being insincere to you. Nor do I love the mushrikeen of Mecca that I'm doing this for them. But I am one of the muhajirs, right, who does not have family in Quraysh. We don't have any protection over there. My family over there has no protection. Okay? We are strangers amongst them. Okay? And we're at the mercy of the Quraysh. My family's at the mercy of the Quraysh over there in Mecca. So I worried for them. And I wanted I wanted them to have a favor over them. Like I want them the 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 I want the people of Mushriks of Mecca to owe my family something. Okay? And وَقَدْ عَلِمْتُ أَنَّ اللَّهَ يَنزِلُ بِهِمْ بَأْسَهُ And I am absolutely certain, I, I, have, I now have certain knowledge that this conquest is taking place. There are so many signs that are outward and inward. Okay? Outward and inward signs. Hidden and obvious apparent signs that this conquest is happening. It's happening. There's no doubt about it. Okay. And my book, my letter to them, it's not going to change anything. Okay. The Prophet believed him. Gave him an excuse. Umar ibn Khattab said, Let me kill him. Let me execute him. This munafiq. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ The Prophet said, وَمَا يُدْرِيكَ يَا عُمَرُ And how do you know Umar? 
لعل الله قد طلع على أهل بدر that perhaps Allah has gazed upon the people of Badr and said, And pronounced upon them saying, Do what you wish, for I have forgiven all of you. Wow, subhanAllah. What does that mean? That means because you stood by the Prophet ﷺ in that moment of Badr, where essentially you were dead people walking. What is it? Immediate death. Anyone goes 315, 313, unprepared. 313, unprepared for war. Versus 1,000, prepared for war. He says, what, was, what were they doing when they, the Sahaba went out for the Battle of Badr? Were they going for war? No. They were going to raid a caravan. When you raid a caravan, you don't go with shields and swords maybe have a knife maybe maybe a baton maybe nothing right so they were not ready for war yet they were discovered word spread about them and Quraysh sent down an army 1000 versus 300 so essentially they slept that night in this, believing that this is their last night of sleep we're going to be killed tomorrow even if something happens and they win the battle but we're finished. You slept that just like the battle of Mu'ta. Mu'ta against the Romans. They slept that night knowing it's their last sleep. SubhanAllah. So because of that, you, you did that and you didn't retreat and you did it with a good heart. Not The Prophet ﷺ asked them, what do you all say? Should we ret- return back? What, what is your saying, all of you? No one spoke. A man from the Ansar said, Messenger of Allah, we are here with you. We're not going anywhere. What a a speech that was. They're all forgiven. Okay? Do what you wish, I've forgiven all of you. There may be deeds like that even until today. You did such a deed, right, that Allah may say, okay, you're forgiven for the rest of this year, everything that you do, or two years, or three years, or four years, or your whole life. The only thing is, we don't know what those those deeds are, and we don't know what that happened. That's something, this is something that Allah, the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said this, right? And that's why we know it about that. But it, we don't know it in the future. فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ فِي شَأْنِ حَاطِبِ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَتَّخِذُوا عَدُوِّي وَعَدُوَّكُمْ أَوْلِيَاءَ So Allah revealed Surah Al-Mumtahanah, the beginning of it, for Hatib. Meaning that, not just for him, but on that occasion. O oh, you who believe, don't take my enemies and your enemies as your, as your supporters. And what does that mean? This surah divides the kuffar into two. One group, they're trying to remove you from your, destroy your religion and remove you from your homes. Okay. The other group, they're not just non-believers. That's it. They're just regular old non-believers. No one's, they're not bothering you. You're not bothering them. So for them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you can be good to them and you could be, you have to be fair to them and good to them. No problem with that. Not in, he doesn't mention allying with them, right? But 
like so. Yeah, you're um, neither for them. I mean, you're good to them. But as for those who are fighting your dean, no, none of that is acceptable. None of that is acceptable. And this is Surah Al-Mumtahana if you want to know this. Okay? In which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا يَنْهَاكُمُ اللَّهُ عَنَ الَّذِينَ قَاتَلُكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ قَاتَلُكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ وَأَخْرَجُكُمْ مِنْ دِيَارِكُمْ أَنْ تَبَرُّوهُمْ أَنْ تَوَلَّوْهُمْ أَنْ تَوَلَّوْهُمْ You cannot take loyalty join their parties, join their groups, be supporters of them. And we are reading here from Tafsir al-Baghawi. But this doesn't even need Tafsir. I mean, he hasn't made Tafsir yet. He's just narrating. There's no Tafsir here. He's just narrating for us what happened. Okay. Tafsir meaning something that requires, you know, questions and opinions. None of that. All right. None of that. It's very obvious, and no most two Muslims can disagree on this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, They rejected the truth. When they rejected the truth, what else did they do? They fight you. They remove you from your homes. And تُؤْمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ رَبِّكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ خَرَجْتُمْ جِيَادًا فِي سَبِيلِ بِتَغَاءِ مَرْضَاتِ تُسِرُّونَ إِلَيْهِمْ بِالْمَوَدَّةِ وَأَنَا أَعْلَامُوا بِمَا أَخْفَيْتُمْ وَمَا أَعْلَمْتُمْ Okay? You're going to be friendly with these people when they're the enemies of your religion and the enemies of your own, like, life? Your own life is at stake here. So it's not just the deen that they're against. So today we don't have that in the tense of nobody will question you and say you're a Muslim or you're fired that's maybe in India in in, in UP is where all the problems are or what is it called under Pradesh or something Uttar Pradesh what okay so that's where the problems are in India that's the, the big hub of the of the, the suffering of Muslims is there and the boldness of the uh, of, of the mushrikeen but here in America it's not that it may be a ruling I got a big problem. People come to me all the time, and now someone says, listen, I'm a pharmacist. It's supposed to be the most innocent job in the world. There's no politics in pharmacy. But now they got us getting educated on transition, gender transition medication, and that now we're going to start getting patients with gender. What is this person supposed to do? See, Allah is testing everybody now. Everybody's getting tested. What is a person supposed to do in that case? I don't have an answer. I left it on, as you guys say, left it on red. What do you? Is that what you guys say? Left it on red. <laughs> yeah, I can't answer you. I don't have an answer for you. I have to. So it's not going to be that. On your being a Muslim, that's the question these days. No, it's going to be a ruling within Islam. Many people in marketing, if they ever asked to advertise for alcohol or happy hour say no can't do it all right well i need someone who's going to do it so you're not the person for the job all right goodbye what about now someone is a pharmacist is asked to do this i guess you have to get another job there's a lot of pharmacies out there 
But I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm going to talk to ulama first. All right? I'm going to talk to, to ulama and ask them. But I'm pretty sure they're going to say the same thing. There are many pharmacies out there. But you cannot be part of the chain. Just like riba, alcohol, usury in alcohol, interest in alcohol, the Prophet said it's the one who writes the contract, the one who, you know, uh, witnesses the contract. Everyone in the chain, it takes... Maybe 30 people for an evil to occur, right? It's true. It may take 30 people to be part of the process of an evil thing to happen. Allah's Messenger is saying you don't even be part of the chain. Why would the beginning or the end be the only ones that are guilty? The whole thing is guilty. Okay? The whole thing. Imagine. Someone kills a guy. You bring me the body. All right, I do part of, I wrap it up. The next person boxes it up. The next person drives it. And then the last person buries it, right? Who's guilty? All of them. Is it easy? Nobody said it's easy. Nobody said, nobody said Dean is supposed to be easy. Okay. So are there, are, are there, are, is the government going around to these pharmacies forcing them this i don't think so i think the pharmacy by choice is it's a big corporate empire uh, uh, uh entity that's doing it so there are smaller pharmacies maybe that don't right perhaps there are small pharmacies that don't do this stuff so work with them but again i'm going to speak to some fuqaha and imma to see what they have to say but in general i don't like to go a middle route on these things you start going that route, you know, uh, you're really watering stuff down. A friend of mine said, uh, my, my, uh, I have a sibling who basically apostated and is now a LigBityQ activist. Loves the LigBityQ and says, I will die for them to get their rights. So like diehard LigBityQ activists. Maybe LigBityQ themselves, who knows. But... They said, should I just have good relations with them? Maybe they'll come back. If they want to come back, they know where to go. No, I'm not going to bring that and water down my household. And the Sharia doesn't really have tolerance for socializing, being friendly with apostates. I don't care who it is. You would not find true believers fraternizing with those who openly uh, are, you know, at war or openly, uh, explicitly going against the way of God and His Prophet? Hey, do they socialize? What, 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 what they get? Oh, are we so harsh or something? No, we're not harsh. It's quality control. That's number one. Number two, take by analogy and look at their behavior. So you see that this this behavior of Islam is actually pretty mild. The Sharia is pretty mild. Go and see if you become a Trump supporter, what's she going to say to you? Say, listen, you know what? I support Fox, Fox News. What's what's that? That other channel now that's pretty popular that's got um, uh, that's got all the anti-LGBT stuff. Ben Stiller leads it. Oh, uh, <laughs> what is that channel called? But those guys, Ben Stiller and and Matt, what's his name? Matt Ryan or what's his name? 
No, not Matt Wallace. One of these, you know, all these guys, anti-LGBT, anti-transgender, the Daily Wire. Thank you, Atiq. The, the Daily Wire, right? What have I support Fox News. I support the Daily Wire, and I'm donating to the Trump campaign. See what they do to you, right? So they're not our teachers, okay? But for if any time Shaitan whispers to you, say, oh, we're mean. No, we're not mean. This is a this is common sense quality control. You have gone way too far from the vision and mission of our life, okay, and how we're gonna live, all right, and what we believe in, and you are now opposed to that. So you're negative energy to us. You're negative dead weight to us, okay. So we're not, we're we're not having any relationship discussions over. Ben Shapiro. Okay, yeah, I know, I know them. Be, yeah, ben Matt Shapiro. Walsh. Yeah, that's okay, Ben Shapiro. Yeah. Matt Walsh is the guy who made that uh, documentary, I think. Matt Walsh. What is a woman? Yes, who made yeah, the? Yeah, that's him. What is a woman? Also, like recently, uh, a really big topic with yeah. this discussion is uh, that debate that happened with um, on PBD's podcast. Yep. With that posted that Murta. Yep. Daniel Hakikachu. Yep. Uh, apostasy laws. You know, that's. Every country has has its limits. Every person has their limits. Every family has their limits. You cannot have a family with no limits, right? You cannot have a person that has no limits. Oh, I support everyone. I remember someone recently just told me, listen, you know, God loves everybody. I said, oh, he loves Hitler? The guy just like stopped stone cold face. They always get like that. It's hilarious. They looked at, he looked at me. He said, man, you know, God loves everybody. Oh, okay. It's good to know God loves Hitler. So can you post that? Do, would you post it, please? God loves everyone. Well, if you have any logic, then everyone includes Hitler. So God loves Hitler. God loves Trump. God loves, you know, um, Stalin at that point. So then, wait, if God loves, God loves Stalin, God loves prostitutes, God loves Johns, God loves drug dealers. Wonderful, right? If that's the case, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? If the love is so cheap, then he loves everybody. So let's wrap up the whole religion and let's go to uh, let's cancel family, cancel everything, all this stuff that takes work, right? Let's go to Las Vegas, and as soon as we run out of money, we just will OD ourselves and and end it, right? Just end it. Easier than working, right? Oh my gosh. Did you see the uh, podcast, though? I watched part of the podcast, and Robert Spencer is getting torched now. They're all getting torched. Yep. On both of them, they're getting Both torched. of them. Robert Spencer, first, I didn't know he was gay. But he is? Yeah, I think that's a thing now. That's He's gay. He's so that's why he's like, he hates Islam even more. So but I didn't realize he was, um, you know, what? he was homosexual. But that's what they're pointing to. But uh, also that they're, they're uh, bought an apostate on. And he's whining, you would have me killed? Wait a second. First of all, if a country has a law, you guys may not know what we're talking about. There's a guy named Patrick Bet David. He's, he's, I like the guy pretty much. He's not, he says some things about Islam, sometimes positive, sometimes negative. But he's a Christian guy. He's, he has no top, he's, he's a guy who made his millions, right, in selling insurance or something. And then, uh, uh, but he hates his trans stuff. But he hates it in a sophisticated way. He's conservative, yeah. Yeah, he's a conservative, but a sophisticated way. He brings on an apostate, 
And he brings on Jake and Daniel Hakikachu. And he brings on an anti, an, uh, one of these anti-Islam warriors, uh, Robert Spencer, this charisma-free guy, right? So the apostate was like a Mauritanian apostate or something like that, Moroccan, okay? And he's whining. Wait a second. According to Islamic apostasy, in an Islamic state, would you have me killed? Like, what kind of question is that? First of all, I would answer like this. If there's an Islamic, if there's a state that has a law, practically speaking, a nation would never have a law unless the bulk of people tolerated it, right? The bulk of the people had tolerance for it. Otherwise, they would revolt. So that's not the reason we have Sharia. We, we, Allah's law is law whether people like it or not, right? But practically speaking, it would not have become the law unless a large amount of people want it that's the nature of rule governance right people will be governed by what they tolerate they may not want it they may not like it but they tolerate it they tolerate it enough to do that they'll do nothing about it it's well just move on okay when the early americans they had a, a solid generation they didn't like this british rule they get rid of it right and they fought the biggest nation in the world at the time and they were just like an expansion team, United States, the 13 colonies, right? This is like an expansion team taking on an empire. And they did it because they had belief, they had strength. So if that's the case, then apostasy will be, becomes part of the law, the law code. So I, my, my answer to you is a question back. Why, why, do, why should you be exempted from the law? The whole nation is, uh, is tolerating and accepting this law. Enough to say the whole nation, right? The whole nation is with this. Why should we exempt you? You would have me killed? Are you special or something? Right? Are you different than anybody else? The law applies to everybody here, right? If there was ever a nation, a city, a country, okay? All right? That had a law that would not ever happen unless a majority of people tolerate it. That's the least level. There is supporting it, advocating for it, fighting for it. That's all up there. There's, yeah, accepting it. And then there's just tolerance. Okay? So the whole nation, we can say, is tolerating this law. You're now coming and whining for it to be an exception. Why? What makes you an exception? That's the question we have to ask. So, yeah. Also, when it comes to these things, like, search up what's the punishment for treason in the U.S.? Treason. You're going to get killed. It's a capital treason. punishment for yeah. treason. And compare uh, like the U.S. to an yeah. actual religion. The U.S. is like it's a country. It's a yeah. nation, you know, has some paradigms. The religion of Islam is way more encompassing. Way more encompassing. Someone who betrays the U.S., like they're going to, you know, give capital punishment. You're going to get him. killed. Yes. Imagine Islam. It's an entire way of life. Thank betraying you. Betraying that. So that's a great point. When you look at the U.S. law code, the U.S. law code is just like governs your body and where you live. Islam is something far greater and deeper. You're betraying the state and you're betraying this greater uh, faith and religion and truth. Okay? So, I mean, subhanAllah, the guy went and he got he went for the emotional route of things, which is to whine and cry about, about a specific emotional point of you're going to get me killed? That's not the answer to the question of whether it's moral or immoral. 
So what? So you know that uh, Snowden wouldn't he be put to death? S- Edward Snowden released hundreds of thousands of private, you know, um, documents about the NSA, and now he's fled to China, then to Russia. Should he not? When when he comes back, what's the ruling on this guy? By American law, not by your opinion of what he should get. Okay? Death. Right? That's the law. He's not even disagreeing with the law. He knows that he committed the act. He's not disagreeing with the law. And he left. That's the U.S. Like, let's imagine Russia or China. Oh, forget Russia, about China, it. Russia, China, you snicker at the Oh, man. You, 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 you're dead. This is, this is in a, a generous country that has a concept of human rights. Wait till the next superpower comes around. Right? Wait till the next superpower. You don't even have to. You don't even get a trial. Russia, you're finished. It's like their version of kufr. Like, yeah. for us, we have things like... Oh, the na- if you insult it's the, the nation Pakistan, state kufr. If you insult Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then, yep. you know. But then for them, it's like you insult Putin. It, That's like their form of kufr. The nation state, what is the kufr of the nation state? You went against the nation, right? And Execution. Like you're killed. Like, Simple as that. Uh, the Islam is far greater than a nation state. It's a nation... It's a religion. It's a cosmic reality and a cosmic truth, right? Cosmic meaning it applies to the whole universe. Like the nation state, they're not telling you what's real about God. They're just saying, let's govern the streets, the borders, the town, right? That's it. It's very blocky and simple and material. And it still has kufri rules, okay? Islam is far deeper, greater, and bigger than a nation state. It also has the same rule. Okay, in fact, in Islam, you get three days of istitaba. Let's put this man in jail. Send him a sheikh. Send him a chaplain. Right? Think about your actions for a few days and the consequences. Look, and look, we can't go into your heart. The moment you say, "Hey, guys, no, nah, I take it all back," you st- make a public statement. I take it all back. I'm a Muslim. I'm fine. I'm with the order now. I'm back with the order, which is the truth. You go out on one condition: you don't speak like this publicly again. Inside your heart, you don't believe it, you hate it. We don't go there. The law doesn't go there. Allah knows. We don't Allah, oh, we don't go there as long. We only go by what you say and what you do. All right. So then Snowden is not getting Istitaba, right? If Snowden comes back, he's not getting something well, he's not getting a chance, right? To to uh so apostasy some have said the worldly punishment is of apostasy is only if you physically go against the the state some Hanafis say this but no deen the prophet said not dawla the deen the islam is far greater of an order than a nation it's a aqidah and if we have these people walking around with their views like that, they should be, they're going to be a cancer to us. Because Islam is not just a state. You can't reduce Islam to just a set of laws. It's, an, it's a cosmic order. God and the heavens. All right. This order is to put us in line with the heavens itself. We can't have anyone coming out and, 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 and now negating what we're working at here. 
So if he keeps it to himself, good. Pro West says all he did was go for an emotional appeal. When you deal with an emotional appeal, you only deal with it with an opposite emotional appeal. Okay. Which is say, listen, why are you so, don't give us the sympathy. Don't come at me with sympathy. SubhanAllah. I do this with, 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 with kids I deal with all the time. We're having a case here. There's something wrong that happened here and we're getting down to the bottom of it. Do not dare come to me with tears. Do not dare try to come to me with emotions. I'm not playing those games. It's a game. In fact, it's a greater sign of your guilt. I'm standing the three of you in front of me here, all right, to find out what's going on here. The one who's the most emotional, you're probably the most guilty, to be honest with you, right? Look in Surah Yusuf, they came with guilt, okay? They, the first time they were guilty, what did they do? They got emotional, okay? They cried and cried and cried. Oh, Yusuf was eaten by the wolf. Okay, second time, like 40 years later, Binyamin, Benjamin, Binyamin, he was taken by Yusuf, right? What did they do? They went, they stood right in front of their father, looked him dead in the eye and said, he was taken by the king. He stole something. If you don't believe us, ask the other people that were there. Confidence, boldness, because they have the truth. So this, um, uh, this guy goes and apostates and tries to use emotion. Listen, that's the law. You don't like it? You Leave. You know how to leave. You're a Moroccan who moved to America, so you're good at Hydra. So what are you whining about? <laughs> what are you whining about? Okay. Mm. It's rebellion and ill intent, as Jay Perez says. If you are somebody who is willing to alter the core source of the law, Allah and his messenger are the source of the law, right? You want to go against the law. Then by default, you actually want to go against all of our laws. If you go against all of our laws, what are we going to do with you? Right? You're just causing havoc and chaos. You're a terrorist. Okay? So the going against the root source of the law clearly indicates you are going against everything else. Eighty-five, eighty to eighty-five. I would say even more. Even of the comments on that YouTube video were clearly in more impressed with the Muslims than than the liberal Christian and the apostate. They couldn't uh, defend their own religion, right? They could not defend their own religion when Jake recited to them the apostasy verse in the Bible. The apostasy verse. It says stuff like, with your own hand, slaughter, cut his neck, stuff like that. The apostasy law of the Bible. Oh, no, 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 we have to do interpretation, we have to dance around, and we have to do gymnastics. Ah, uh, you're done with. You're finished with. The moment you go talk like that. Wait a second, your God is saying a very clear word right there, right? Very clear language. So if we're going to dance around that, let's dance around everything. Let's dance around the Trinity, let's dance around heaven and hell, let's dance around... Lent, let's dance around everything and have no religion at all. Americans aren't stupid, people. The listeners are not stupid. Yes, you know what they say? Oh, I don't, they're rough, they're uncouth. 
that stuff is superficial, right? Look beyond. I don't think they were, first of all. Plus, I mean, I'm already on that spectrum of things where I like to rather someone just tell me things straight as it is than dance around. But people aren't stupid. They could see which group has a clear religion and they follow it and which group dances around and basically says nothing about Christianity. Defended Christianity not in the least. Cannot even offer you a good vision of Christianity. The guy's vision of Christianity is, turn the other cheek. Oh, why are you debating me then? As I, does not God, Jesus say, love thine enemy? I'm your enemy. They should have slapped him and see As I execute you, okay, from the back of the neck, love me and turn the other cheek. Means when I say, next vein, you turn it. I'm not going to turn you. Turn the other cheek. One artery is done. Give me the other artery. According to your version of religion, which we don't even believe is true, Jesus did not do away with Moses' law. Uh, as for your vision of, the, of God and Jesus, you don't like what I'm saying about execution. You don't like what the prophet said about apostasy. Turn the other cheek and love the prophet. You've declared him your enemy, right? And Jesus says, love thine enemy. <laughs> your Muslim executor, executioner who you hate so much for your apostasy, no hate. Turn the other cheek. When he says, please place your head, you place it yourself. Okay? Turn the other cheek. And as he's executing you, love him. Bro, you can't even love the person who's voicing the opinion, let alone the guy who's doing it. <laughs> This is not a religion that's going to work, okay? This is not a deen that any human being will practice in their life. Turn the other cheek and love thine enemy. Yeah, love thine enemy has something. Yes, we love them to be guided, right? I love them to be guided. Turn the other cheek. Yeah, we have turned the other cheek with fellow Muslims, right? We have turned the other cheek, you know, uh, give them excuses, Someone had a bad day. There's a sliver of turn the other cheek that's used in daily life. Okay. Uh, you know, daily life, we have a little bit of turn the other cheek. That's your whole law, though. This is not practical. Next. Tulquna ilayhim bil mawadda. You love them so much. And we have those people. Those types, probably usually closer to munafiq, that whenever there is Muslims and the enemy of Muslims, they always side with the enemy. And they will blame the victims. Okay. Okay. يُخْرِجُونَ الرَّسُولَ وَإِيَّاكُمْ This ayah is permanent. When people reach a level of kufr and shirk in a country 
and hatred of Muslims in a country, they will remove them from the country. It's happened many times. So the French are almost there at that level of hatred of Islam, that they would remove Muslims from their country. They just can't, physically they can't do it, but they would love to. So they try to remove the Islam out of their hearts. Of course, Spain, they remove Muslims out of their country. Israel, they remove Muslims out of their country. Okay, from their homes. Okay. Um, uh, where else? India. Uttar Pradesh, it's called. They're trying to, they're going to do that. They're already, you know, beating the drums of war against Muslims in India. China, they did it. Go apostate in China against the, 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 the communist regime. Say a word. It's going to happen to you. You, you'd wish that you apostated against Muslims would treat you at least with some d- dignity and decency. You would be happy to be an apostate against Islam far more than apostate against Putin. Go say something about Putin. Firstly, you won't get killed because you're not that important. Only important people get executed. That's the first thing. So we're actually respecting you because we're giving you importance. In any event. Can you look up what is the current exact uh, 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 treason law in the United States? Don't take my enemies. Put it up too if you can get a uh, screenshot of it or something. Do not take my enemy and your enemy as as your supporters. Being nice and soft and fuzzy with them when they have rejected the truth. Okay. And they want to remove the prophet and remove you from your homes. All right. Listen and obey to your chief, said the says the conservative space. Yes, the rest of it though, until he utters direct and open kufr. Okay. Zafio, yes, we did just react to uh or or just give a small commentary about the whining apostate on that uh on that stream who just tried to use emotional arguments instead of rational arguments. I don't know something. Nothing bugs me more than someone who gets who uses an emotional argument where it's supposed to be rational. You know where you could use an emotional argument when you're selling something. No one's going to get hurt by this, right? There's no actual, you know, truth and falsehood. Yeah, expand it there and put it down. Okay. There's no one. There's no harm, no foul. Right. But when there's supposed to be a rational argument and you come in with emotion, I know that you're done with. But it's frustrating because most people don't know how to deal with it. All right, read this Read this out for us, uh, Omar. Law number 238.1. Okay. Uh, treason. Whoever owing allegiance to the United States levies war against them or adheres to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort within the United States or elsewhere, is guilty of treason and, and shall suffer death or shall be imprisoned not less than five years and fined under this title, but not less than $10,000, uh, $10, and shall be incapable of holding any office under the United States. Uh, this is 
It says June 25th, 1948. And then the rest of the information is there. All sorts of information there. That's your uh, treason law in the United States. Okay. And that's for a mere nation state. Okay. A mere nation state. A nation state is nothing in its vastness in comparison to a religion. In 2,000 years, what's going to be here? The U.S. government or Islam? Like, if the world was to continue on. To, right? Islam is far vaster than a mere nation state. It's, I mean, Islam infuses the meanings behind nation states. It gives it meaning. It gives it structure. Behind. Islam is not a civilization. It's what civilizes civilizations and makes nations civilized. It's far greater. So going against it, clearly, probably should have a greater punishment than a mere, going against a mere nation state. Okay? The conservative space is asking a question. Why did the Prophet said, obey your leader, even if your, your chief is an Abyssinian slave with a head like a raisin? Meaning he's giving the Arabs the, what they, in their mind is someone they would never accept as a leader someone who's like deformed or somebody who is um, uh, uh, what they, at that time, they would have hate to be ruled by an Ethiopian. Why would they hate to be ruled by an Ethiopian? Because remember, the memory of the Arab is who tried to destroy the Kaaba, right? Their worst rival is an Ethiopian, right? Abraha. The Ethiopian tried to destroy the Kaaba. So that's like saying to a Palestinian, you know, like saying to a Pal someone something like, obey your ruler. Okay, let's say that whole region becomes Muslims. Obey your ruler, even if he was originally a Jew, right? An Israeli, let's say. Obey your ruler, even if he's an Israeli. Let's say they, they entered Islam, right? Because the assumption here is that they're all Muslim. Obey your ruler, even if he's a Muslim. Uh... Uh, uh, Israeli by origin. If you're all Muslims, oh, uh, Algerians and West Africans, obey your ruler even if he's French because that's who you hate, right? You hate them so much. Now everyone's a Muslim. So the prophet is saying those old hatreds do not incite revolution. Should not be the source of inciting revolution. So that is the reason why uh, for the person who's asking that question, the conservative space, the prophet specifically mentioned the Ethiopian because it was an Ethiopian only one generation ago that tried to destroy the Kaaba, and hence the Ethiopian became like the enemy. Noah makes a good point. He said, yeah. the apostasy laws prove Islam is the truth because a religion that says you will get eternal hell actually means it and will do everything to protect others from such a fate. Who said this? Uh, Moab. Moab, excellent point. The job of the state is to protect you, not just in this life. The nation state only worries about this life and your body only. Okay? The also really is like, the difference uh, lies in one side, like the liberals are saying, oh, you should have the choice to do anything you want. Your beliefs, yeah. whatever. You can believe whatever you want. You shouldn't be coerced into believing uh, a certain thing. Yeah. But the Muslims, we don't, People think the Muslims are like that. We're not like that. No. We're not saying, oh, you can believe whatever you, uh, you want. We know that Islam is the truth. And it's better that you uh, get forced into the truth mm -hmm. than, you know, actually choosing something that's false. If you had a, a boat with blind people in it, okay, you don't let them go anywhere. And yeah, you have a blind person now preaching to the youth, oh, the beauty of the edge, standing on the edge of the boat, 
right? Are we going to shut him up or not? Of course we are. Blind people, you're going to fall off the boat. Islam is not here to save your body only. It's here to save your soul for eternity. The job of the government is to try to, to, to make that happen, to ensure that don't leave this boat, okay? And definitely don't take anyone with you and don't preach anything. Don't preach that people are going to go uh, and and stand on the stand on the edge of the boat because it's really nice on the edge of the boat. Well, you're gonna have all sorts of people dead. Yeah. So we have to stop you from talking, and so, we have to physically stop people from getting near to the boat, edge of the boat. Okay. The presupposition is like you really have to look at the sleight of hand, like what they sneak under it. Yeah, right? Exactly. Like a lot of the audience, you get you like for anyone that's li- uh, that's listening. Yeah. You have to catch on to this stuff. Because a lot of like 90% of arguments can be thrown away just by apprehension of what they're totally. saying. Like the assumption of what they're saying. The assumption. And, and then they said, how many people has Christianity executed for apostasy? How many has Islam? That, that, how is that yeah. uh, an argument? That's not an argument at all. How many people have Amer- has America put in jail? Yeah. How many people has, uh, has Mexico put in jail? Right? Which one would you rather live in? Oh, America's got so many people in jail. Probably a safer country too. Right? Than Colombia. Or one of these countries where if you're not in with a, a drug cartel, you might be in some trouble. Yeah. Okay, And the drug cartels, they run wild there. The, the mafia runs wild in South, South Italy. Okay, So that's not, a, that's not an argument. Like the assumption in this specific case is yeah. that there is no truth, no objective truth. Yeah. That's why they say you can choose Emotion is the only, their only truth was what makes them feel good. That's why they say freedom of choice. Because yeah. there's no truth to them. That's the assumption. Our assumption is not that there's no truth. Exactly. There is truth. Thank you. That's the presupposition right the, there. The presupposition for, especially all the religious relativism and all religions should be free to practice. Who was the first person to make that argument? He was one of the Enlightenment thinkers who had no belief. That's why he made the argument. It's like for us, we don't believe that one medhab is absolutely correct and the other is absolutely wrong. That's why we say be any of the four medhabs, right? So if you don't have a belief that one is absolutely right and one is absolutely wrong, I'm saying absolutely, okay, then you'll be open to all. If you don't believe that any action is total, absolutely right or wrong, then you would be supporting all freedom for everything as long as you're not hurting another person or freedom of anyone to worship as you wish. Just like subhanAllah, this, this, where does Daniel find these people? Okay. And he came with one guy who said, he said, uh, hey, listen, I had an open marriage. My wife was free to sleep with everyone who wants, and I accepted that. Are you proud of that? And he said, "My well, Daniel said, wait a second, it's your ex-wife. So it didn't work. The marriage didn't work. She found a guy better than you. Disgusting people, right? They take pride in this. Well, what's the underlying thing here? The, well, the underlying thing here is that you don't believe anything's actually right and wrong. And that's the whole point, and that's the whole difference between what uh, uh, the law of Islam is predicated on that Islam is the truth, okay? And that hell is real. How many times did the Prophet ﷺ simply say, Allah is haq, I am haq as a prophet, Heaven is haq. Hell is haq. Haq mean, meaning the truth. Okay? It's haq. So therefore the law is predicated upon that for Muslims. And that's why when a man came and he stole and he meet, met the conditions of theft, he was told, you love Ali. Ali is now the Khalifa. Say Ali was the Khalifa at the time. He's now going to implement the hadood punishment upon you. 
how do you feel about him now? He said, I love him even more. Because when I go to the day of judgment, I'm not going to see theft on my book anymore. I paid the price for theft. If the head punishments comes on a person, okay, if it comes on a person, they will, their deed is removed. And you don't have to go in and, and love it and, and be happy about it. You go in hating the head punishment. But you, you dealt with it, right? And you continued life as a Muslim. Your deeds expunged, okay? Had punishment, of course, is something only uh, applicable. It's only applicable uh, by the, the state. A man, a young man came one time. This is hilarious. This is hilarious. A young man came to an, to an imam in like Indiana, middle of nowhere. He looked very distressed and he had a big bag in his hand and he said, Imam, I need to see you after Salah. He saw, saw him after Salah. He came with 70 hangers, a bag full of hangers, right? And he said, what is this for? He said, I want you to establish the had upon me because I committed zina. The Imam was like, is this like a prank show or something like that? Is this a, is there a hidden camera somewhere? What are you talking about? He said, yeah, I committed zina. And I read that I have to be lashed now, right? 80 hangers or whatever he brought. Why? First of all, the imam was like, first of all, why couldn't I use the same hanger multiple times? Why did you have to buy a hanger for every lash, right? Like, I don't know. There's, there's multiple layers of confusion here. Secondly, what do you think this is? This is not a state. I can't establish the had upon you, Okay. I can't do that. Only the state could do that. You know who else can do that? The area where the state can't reach if they have a law. Let's say that people live on a mountain far, far away. The state can't reach there because of limitations. They establish their own, uh, with the, their own governor can establish it. He's like, but we can't do that. He's like, what do I do? Nothing. Make toba. Allah's forgiving and generous. I'm go make toba. And he made toba. But uh, it was hilarious. The layers of jihad and ignorance but he had a good intent at least okay see the thing is that a lot of us we keep company with other tulab ilm and other muslims and don't realize how many people actually don't know some of these fundamentals okay and we may also not know how many okay how many uh liberal progressive muslims that are out there that don't realize you're not allowed to keep company with these people right now i do i would i do i have said this many times i'm not a fan of you know vicious attacks on muslims who do something that is either incorrect or is something like uh you know misguided you could say or totally sinful. To, to, to a personal attack on them is something that it, I don't think is the right way to do it. And that's, that's one of the points of difference that I have. Once you come into Islam, you want to emphasize the truth, but to um, end up having a personal and nasty you know, attack on somebody, 
and now people are all hating on them and stuff. I understand if your attempt is to say like this is going to work, but that the the initial result is not the only thing we're looking for. We also have to look at well, what does what does does Allah love this action? Does Allah love this action? Yes or no? Is this the way the Prophet was told to act? Told us to act with people who are not doing right, right? So uh, that's where I'm going to put the line, because you know. I don't want to go there with another Muslim who's probably trying to do the right thing, but maybe made a mistake of some sort or a difference of opinion or an open, clear error, whatever you want to, however you want to break it down. I think once you enter the boundary of people who are not attacking Islam, that's Muslims and the non-Muslims who are not attacking Islam. What does the Quran, we just read Surah Al-Mubtahana say about them, right? They're not really the, the enemy in the sense of, that you have to attack them, right? Like this, Robert Spencer and that no-name apostate guy from Morocco, they are not, these are open enemies of the Prophet, open enemies of Islam, open enemies to me and you, okay? The treatment that they get is different from the treatment of, let's say Patrick, but David himself was to come out the next day and say something bad about Islam, right? Hypothetically. That's just his opinion, and he's not an enemy. He's just someone giving his opinion that I don't believe it's true, right? Just like all of our neighbors. They just don't believe it's true, right? They maybe didn't look into it. That is not an enemy. That is a regular run-of-the-mill kafir, okay? As a legal term, kafir, right? This is a run-of-the-mill non-believer. The treatment of the two cannot be the same. Then you have inside Islam, people who are Say la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah Pray and fast You can differ with them as Vehemently as you want But it cannot go personal It can't go personal That's my position on that Okay And it's it's very difficult When you When a feud erupts Or some snake Or some Bad thing happens Between you and another Muslim Honestly the best route is to try to not to do anything that would not have anything bad in your heart. That's the most important thing, right? It's hard. It's not easy. I had a good relationship with somebody, and I think someone close to them spoiled it, right? So we have no relationship anymore. Tough. The uh, way, the way, the number one thing between you and another good Muslim is to keep your heart clean. I don't care what happens. You want to imagine that you won. Imagine that you did better. Imagine that you're right. Imagine what that I'm bad. Imagine what you imagine. That's not important. What's important is Allah's watching. The Prophet Sallallahu is watching. In his Minan al-Kubra, Abdul Wahab al-Sha'rani says, from the greatest gifts Allah has given me is to be inspired to forgive every Muslim just for the sake of the Prophet Sallallahu I know the Prophet loves them. And I know the Prophet does not want feud between us. His ummah. So I'm going to give it up. You Okay, you win. How's that? SubhanAllah. That is a combining between sharia and haqiqah. Here, Allah says, these enemies of Islam, they are our open enemies. We are, they are at war with us and we're at war with them. You think this is anything other than a war with Robert Spencer? He's dedicated his life to the destruction of Islam. 
Likewise, these these uh, these no name apostates. Okay. They dedicate their life to animosity to, to take down Islam and other Muslims. So, it's war with those guys. If it's a war of words, it's a war of words. But within Islam, there's a there's a different code of conduct we can call it. Different code of conduct. Okay. All right, let's stop here and open up for Q&A. Different code of conduct, if you ask me, when it comes to other Muslims. This is a question of Sharia, and I would, you know, ask you, you know, go and ask the shiuch what they say. Go and ask the shiuch what they say. Ask the fuqaha. Is forbidding wrong with Muslims who are doing something that either A, is openly wrong, or B, you imagine it, that they did it maliciously, or C, it's a difference of opinion. D, um, they made a misguided error thinking it's good, but it's bad for the community. The treatment is different. Is goat saliva nudges? Neither the saliva, nor the sweat, nor the tears, nor the boogers, nor the urine, nor the defecation of a goat is nudges. Nothing of the goat is nudges. Nothing of any, no, nothing except the blood, the flowing blood, no bodily fluids. Bodily fluids does not count blood, means anything that comes out of a living creature naturally, like urine, defecation, tears, okay, what comes out of their nose, their saliva. If it is halal to eat, none of that stuff is najis. You walk and you step on goat poop. You step on bird droppings. None of that is najis. Okay. Is beatboxing halal? Yes. To to make those noises with your mouth is not forbidden. As an instrument. No, it's not an instrument that is forbidden. The voice, nothing of the voice or the body is forbidding. Clapping, but whistling is discouraged. Some say that whistling is from shaitan. Uh, that shaitan loves the whistle. Uh, so they say just discouraged based upon that. Why aren't Muslim scholars directly addressing how hijabi Muslim influencer culture has become mainstream and is setting unrealistic standard for Muslim women? Questioned by the pulsating amyg- amygdala. Amygdala is like this part of the brain, apparently. Um, I, I have to be honest with you. I'm not really well in tune with that world. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on any of these websites anymore, social media platforms anymore. I mean, I have an account there, but I don't go with myself there. I have had to f- make a decision of what community that I, what I need to work on. And I couldn't, didn't have time to be part of that community anymore. So all the online community. Maybe in the future, Allah knows best, but th- th- this time, I have to take a pause on that. So that's why I just rely on some of the Shabab to post the clips. That's my contribution. But I'm not aware even like what's going on. 
but I do know that most hijabi influencers, I did see someone do a report where like the top five, they end up without any hijab and leaving the Islam part and hijabi part and sticking with the influencer part. I saw that. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw an article written about this by a Muslim woman. She tr- she she followed the trajectory of a number of hijabi influencers, so-called, and at the end, her conclusion is they end up just being influencers. Yeah, like hijab, the 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 image part of things uh, is disrupted by the hijab, so the hijab slowly goes away. Because the asal of it, like where they start off, is not Islam usually. Like it's like very like they don't have much knowledge. Yeah, a lot of them. It's just like, you know, like, we're Muslims, but we're also doing this, we're also doing this. Yeah. And then the Islam tends to go away. So if, you're, if your goal is to get looked at, okay, then hijab is going to be your problem. And the influencer's goal is to get looked at. Yeah. Right? Maybe not, you know, it's, you need eyeballs. That's what you need. You need eyeballs. So I don't know much except that article. I read that. And that's the only commentary that I can give is that I agree with that article. Yeah. When Allah says he will make man as a khalifa on the earth, what does it mean? Khalifa to whom? Khalifa to the previous creation that existed on the earth. There was a creation on the earth. Okay. They failed to to fulfill... what Allah wanted them to fulfill and so Allah sent the malaika and removed them and they only lived in the edges of the earth the middle of the earth there whatever the earth looked like at that time was empty so a a khalifa means one is a successor one to come after so he says I am making in the earth a khalifa somebody who will come after the people who were before him which were the jinn Khalifa also means a representative in my absence who will represent my will on the earth. Okay? Uh, Human being. So that's the other meaning of the Khalifa. So that's why it is the the Khalifa means the representative of the Sharia, God's will, of how how, how the creation should live on the earth. Or it means those who come after and it is those who come after the jinn. Okay, so that's the answer to Moab's question. Do you think the fault of the scholars post 9-11 was too much diplomacy, says Luqman Rashid. You got to understand at that time there was so much fear in the air for people who hadn't experienced this before. Okay, some people on the East Coast had experienced the government breathing down their neck before. They had become hardened to it. 9-11 came, they didn't really bat an eye. They're like, this is just a bigger version. Many, many Muslims, though, lived a very comfortable and posh life. The idea that Muslims are now public enemy number one was it just, they were so nervous. They went running to anyone who would accommodate them, which was the left. Okay. So look at the divine wisdom. Muslims spent from 9-11, 2001, all the way, I would say, until just this year, the default politics of Muslims was the left. Okay? And they made so many alliances with the left 
and I'm not going to say all of it was in the wrong and sinful, but I will say that um, much of it was. But just because something is sinful, we shouldn't do it, does not mean Allah cannot use it for benefit. What is the result of all that work between Muslims and the left? The left will now never say anything bad about Muslims. Even when they want to, they said Muslim white supremacists. <laughs> Imagine that. Because we're the minority, most of us are brown, okay, black, maybe. Right, maybe what do you think? 30% of Muslims are between African American and Sudani and African, West African, right? So just for the minority status of things, they adopted the Muslims as a nice little pet that we can have sympathy for, okay? That itself has not gone without benefit. There's some benefit there. They put hijab everywhere. Yes, they did put it without ligbidiq. But they sort of de-mystified um, hijab. There's hijab everywhere. We walk around and West, what was it? What was recently? Some app. I recently went on an app of mine. And the ad was a hijabi. It was a PayPal or something, right? And when you have daughters and stuff, okay, it does matter because you see them, it actually makes hijab pretty, uh, uh, you know, it makes hijab easy for them, right? They, they view it as an easy thing. When they, Imagine you're at a Times Square, you're walking and you see like a hijabi, with Nike hijab or something like that. It does have an effect on a young a young, you're not going to say, oh, well, the politics of it, you know, they also support the LIGBDQ. It doesn't really matter. So it does have an impact. It was useful. Did bring some benefits. Now, what were the harms that it brought? It did also open the door of a trickling and then which became in, in at some period of time, like a flood almost. Okay. Um, of liberalism into the community, right? That's a negative. I think that once the trans people went so crazy and they're now bringing it to kids in schools that the ummah went the other way. Every mainstream masjid, you cannot say that the Democrats anymore, it's, it's default politics especially from the young people who haven't hardened in their politics, they, they don't believe that. The, the people who grew up right after 9-11 and hardened in that, they are left-leaning in different degrees, okay? But that's not the case with people who are now just coming to age and developing their, their, their politics. Since, I would say, 2020, you can say, the thing has been tilting so much towards transgenderism and to affecting kids that these people who probably would have been more on the left side, they're no longer anymore. They're like, no, no, we're definitely not that. And we can't say we're right. We're on the right. We support the right, but we're definitely not left. Simultaneously, the Muslims were the number, were really the only, the strongest people to stand up to the schools and to stand up to people who were trying to put this stuff into kids' uh, uh, curriculums and in little kids' libraries and in Target, right? The Muslims stood up very well against that, strongly against that. 
Well, what ended up happening? Your old enemies from the right, they're like, hey, we couldn't have done this. Right? We would call it white supremacists or whatever we're called. We're so happy the Muslims did this. And all of a sudden, they like Muslims. Add to that that there's now like becoming very apparent a lot of Midwestern white converts now. So look at the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The left doesn't want to say anything about it, about bad about you anymore. And the right kind of sort of like you a little bit, right? They like what you're doing. They like how you live. They like that, that you're w- w- uh, resisting this um, like BDQ stuff, this rainbow, this trans, this abusive kids stuff. They like that. They stand up for that. So Muslims themselves could not have designed it better. They did 20 years and got the left to, to just sort of be quiet about Muslims and in fact have their own version of support with Muslims, although it's mixed with poison. Now the right doesn't want to say anything about about Muslims either. We kind of sort of need them to stop the trans people movement on our kids because we can't. They can't for different reasons. They can't do it. They, 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 They can't convince the next generation that it's bad and they politically can't do it. Okay? So now you have, subhanAllah, both sides, Muslims have, some ease on both sides. I'm telling you, Muslims themselves could not have designed the situation like that. Okay. All right. I don't know how we got to that, but that was the answer to that question. Why have prophets only been men? Because prophets must wage war and lead Salah. And it is forbidden in Islam for a man or a father or a brother or an uncle who is responsible for a woman to allow her to expose herself to being hit. If a woman says, hey, I want to be like Sayyidina Usayba and go fight jihad. Uh, Sister, Sayyidina Usayba was minding her business when the warrior came over the wall and she killed him. He came over the barrier and she killed him. She did not sign up and put on a coat of armor and go out there. It is forbidden for any wali to, to allow the, the woman who is his responsibility to protect, that is under his protection, to go and expose herself to abuse. So my... Okay, if, if a man calls my daughter a name or my wife a name, isn't it my duty to, to say something? Yes, it is. All right, so can my, my, my wife wants to go and preach at Speaker's Corner. Why, so you get called names? I'm not going to let this happen, right? You cannot uh, let her go somewhere she's going to get physically hit. A prophet is not just a spiritual position. It's a worldly position. A wali is not allowed to uh, to... to he, he cannot allow his the woman under his protection, be it his wife, his daughter, his mother, his niece, whatever it is under his protection. Allah has assigned him to protect her. He cannot put her in a position where she's going to be gazed upon. Meaning, you know, in her body's to be viewed. So therefore, if she's walking, let's say she's walking, 
and maybe hypothetically it's windy and her body can be shown by the wind, uh, clothes coming near, you know, attaching to her form. And there are a bunch of guys walking behind her in the sidewalk, on the sidewalk. If you're cognizant of that, you can't allow that to happen. Continue. The moment you discover that, you pull to the side, let those guys walk ahead, and then you walk so that those guys who you may not trust their modesty, whether you do or not, it doesn't matter. Sharia doesn't go by that because that's not an objective measure, right? It's not an objective measure to be looking at the back of your wife in a situation that you can avoid, right? Then you have to avoid it. So what is a prophet is not just a spiritual position with God. He, he must lead war. He must lead prayer. Prayer has sujood, has rukua. Who here wants their mom or wife or daughter to make rukua in front of any, anybody else? Come. Master public spaces, right? Come into the public space and bend over in front of everybody. What guy would allow this, right? So if there was a female prophet, hypothetically, her husband would have to stop her. Right from first of all, if there was a female prophet, prophets must be obeyed. Where's the order in the house going to be now? Right. So the husband is now obeying his wife, the prophet. How does that work? But he's assigned to protect her. Nobody can protect a prophet. The prophet protects you. So who's protecting? What kind of order would you have in a battle? Okay, in a battle, our leader. Oh, she's home while we're dying. Wait a second, she's home while we're dying? She can't come to the battlefield. You're not allowed to bring women to the battlefield for no reason. They can get captured and raped. That's why there are no prophets that are females in the majority opinion. Chocolate Wallace says, fellow Christians themselves are now disavowing Robert Spencer. So that's the answer to Minna AG, AJ, about prophets. Najma Sabr is asking uh, for dua, so may Allah make everything easy for her. Okay, may Allah make matters, matters easy and be generous to you. Is it valid to try to associate the secular liberals with atheism as a tactic now i totally believe that secular liberalism is based on godlessness a secular liberal may be a believer in god that's more of an exception his worldview and his law is based on atheism there's no doubt about that Luqman says the word compassion has been spoiled just like the rainbow has been spoiled okay The Christian ran straight to the Atheist Guy podcast after getting destroyed. Yep. Does Allah forgive everything, even slander of the Prophet? The slander, uh, the, 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 the harms done towards other people will be forgiven by Allah only after that person relinquishes his rights. Such, for example, let's say you do two sins. You skip Salah and you stole from me. 
Skipping salah, you repent between you and Allah. Stealing from me, your repentance includes repent to Allah and you have to give me back my goods, right? You owe me an apology now. Or if it's going to create worse fitna, you just put the money in my mailbox. Hey, I'm the guy who stole. Sorry, anonymous. All right, now I'm fine now. Alhamdulillah. I'm happy. I got my money back. Once my heart is relieved, then Allah will forgive you. What happens if I die? Now you have you can do things for me after my death. Such as like what? You can give that money to my kids. You can give that money in charity and say, Oh Allah, this is what I stole from this person. Give him the reward of this charity. That same amount of money. And every Friday you give some more charity and say, Oh Allah, for the victim that I had, may Allah take the reward and give it to him. You can make dua for the dead. So there are ways to make it up to someone after their death. Or you take care of their family. That's one way of taking care of someone. So listen, I had a feud with this guy. I did a lot of bad things to him. I'm going to help pay his kids' tuition. I'm going to make sure my kids are really nice to his kids. I'm going to always invite them. I'm going to always honor them. I'm going to do so much good to them. Let's say you can't even do that. Then you both die. You go to the day of judgment and Allah will have both of you in court. And the good deeds will be taken from your scale and put onto his scale. Or bad deeds from his scale and put onto your scale. Then you're even. Now you can be forgiven. So these are all the different ways in which we can gain forgiveness from, this is restitution now. The, rest, the justice of Islam is restitutional justice. Okay, let's go to more questions. Can you go through methods of reading Dilayul Khairat? Here's the method I like. What is the amount of time that you can afford to recite daily? Let's say you send me max my get it is five minutes. Okay, take a bookmark, open the Dilayul Khairat from chapter one, read for five minutes with the bookmark, put a mark there with a pen, with a pencil maybe. Khalas, done with. If we pray Jama says Isra D, can we make the intention for Jama after completing the first prayer? And only then we decided to make jama. Yes. Yes, it is. Why is that? Because, for example, if, let's say I'm in a masjid. In Maghrib or Dhuhr. And hail is coming down or snow or something like that. Now I'm praying just as, just intending the one prayer. Then we salam out. The imam stands up and says, uh, Brothers and sisters, we look out the weather. It's so bad. We are praying Asr right now too. Jama. Oh, I didn't intend this. Now I am. So get up and join the Imam for Asr. Okay? And it doesn't matter at that point whether I was planning on praying in the masjid, planning on not, whether the weather changes class. We made the intention, we prayed it. Can I skip reading Dilayul Khairat? Of course, it's not a fart upon you to read it, nor Sunnah Muakkadah. So there's no for It's a nafl. Nafl can be skipped. Who are the secret guests that you had on the other day? Ooh, soon, soon, soon. There is a group that says they are on Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah, but they calculate Qibla Southeast. They only have one issue, which is uh, they have they say bad things about Sayyidina Muawiyah. We don't say that, but uh, the Qibla Southeast is a non-issue. That's a non-issue. 
but the um, saying bad things about Sayyidina Muawiyah is, is an issue. We don't say any bad things about any Sahabi. Planet Destroyer says, I had a peeling piece of furniture made of non-pig leather. The tiny bits of leather may have spread around the house. La harajalik. No, no, no issue for that. Okay. For a couple reasons. Number one, leather only, it's only in the Madiki school that leather, tanning leather does not purify it. However, we have a rukhsa to use it, except we would not pray upon it nor wear it in salah. That rukhsa has received a fatwa in the end of uh, lately, especially from Mauritanians, saying that this was only the case when it was known the source of the leather. I know it came from that tribe or that tribe, and they're Muslim and they're not Muslim. But according to the Shiuch of Mauritania now, all the leathers of the world is mixed up. You don't know where the, it's coming from. Who's slaughtering, who's doing what. Muslim world, Italy, Turkey, you don't know anything. So they said this rule does no longer applies because all the leather of the world is mixed up. So don't even think twice about it. Magnus says, thinking about pursuing a PhD in a secular field, yet I'm serious about becoming a serious student of knowledge. Should I attempt to get a lesser job to dedicate myself entirely to ilm? No, I think you should get yourself... Um, a solid career because wealth today is a form of independence for us. Wealth is very important for us to have today. I'm going to get to the some of the uh, Instagram questions in a second. But wealth is a form of independence. Wealth is a form sort of needed for you to finish your half your deen and get married. So do that. But you can be, if you learn certain techniques, a talib ilm. Okay. In Arcview, I just mentioned and I gave the three steps to how to study online. You have to select a specific location where I'm going to take my classes, a specific time I'm going to take my class, and a specific amount that I'm going to devote to my classes. Salam. 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 Okay. You can be a talib ilm while having a full-time job, and it may take longer, but you will get there. Um, go up. Go to give me a question from uh, what is the reason that all the boys, the sons of the Prophet وسلم, were killed, uh, died? Yeah, because the Prophet himself said one of them would have been a Prophet, so the Prophet did not have sons for that reason, but it has nothing to do with avoiding shirk when reciting in Salah. How much? Of a long surah do you recite if not going to recite the whole surah? Alright, for Salatul Fajr, you can recite length up from Ahzab to Abasa. That length. Ahzab to Abasa. Or if they if you and then Dhuhr same. Asr from Abasa to Duha. Maghrib from Duha to Nas. Aisha from Abasa to Duha. So that's how we judge lengths. We call that long, medium, and short. The least, what is the least to recite? One ayah is the least. When is a hadith not authentic, says the conservative space? 
the concert. Uh, listen to this. No. A hadith requires five conditions. Number one, it's a sanad. The whole chain has to be connected. As soon as there's a break, the hadith is, can never ever be sound. Sahih. Okay? That's number one. Number two. Each link in the chain must uh, be described with adala, which means he was not ever accused of lying about the Prophet He's upright in that regard. Right? Some have said he does, he has never committed one of the had punishments, had crimes. The, the adala had different levels, but the bottom, the basement level of adala is this person would not lie about the Prophet. No one accused him of that. No one even suggested it. That's number two. Number three. Dapt. This person's accurate. When they transmit things, they're accurate. How do we know they're accurate? People don't narrate one hadith. They narrate many hadith. Right? So I can look at your narrations. Let's say you narrated 10 hadiths from Sheikh so-and-so. But Sheikh so-and-so didn't narrate it to you privately, right? He narrated it to you in front of everybody. I take a look at your narrations in comparison to all the other people who were there or who narrated from that sheikh, right? And I see discrepancies. If, I, if the muhaddith regularly finds discrepancies, you get downgraded. If he regularly finds that, no, you're with the group. So 90 people narrated from sheikh so-and-so. Okay? Sheikh so-and-so recited a 20 hadiths to 90 different people. Let's look at your narrations and their narrations. And we can compare. So we can know by relativity, like credit scores, like your credit rating. How is it known? Because you don't make one purchase in your life. You make you purchase stuff all the time. Do you regularly pay on time or are you always delinquent? Okay. That's what we mean by dhabt. Uh, Thirdly, the hadith must be free. Free from hidden errors, which means what? The errors of the experts. Sometimes an expert himself, one out of, a hundred thousand times we'll make a mistake. And it must be free from shudud. Shudud means that uh, a stronger sahabi, an elder sahabi, a sahabi who would know better on this subject, narrates something different. That's what we call shudud. So it renders the hadith, yeah, that the hadith is sahih, but the action upon it cannot be, we cannot act upon it, we're going to act upon another hadith. Right, so that's what we call shudud. Those are the five conditions that make a hadith trusted, trustworthy, sahih. Where where should the Muslims be taking their dawa? Go for the low hanging fruit. Go for the low-hanging fruit. Any group of people who suddenly have an interest in Islam, go for the low-hanging fruit. Most efficient way to act, right, in anything, go for the low-hanging fruit. The easy, the quick results, right? Not quick as in less, lesser in quality, but the one who's open-minded. Like, why? If I'm, t- if I got two people in front of me, don't assess it politically. A governor and a regular person, right? Well, if the governor becomes Muslim, that's going to really like make waves, right? Or a celebrity. That's going to... It does make waves. People follow these people. They'll inspire millions. Yeah, that's true. But go for the one more interested. This is what Allah teaches us in Abbas. There was a blind man 
who nobody follows. And there was a chief of Quraysh, who everyone will follow. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh, my messenger, go with the easy hanging fruit. Don't bother yourself, you know, with those who are hard-hearted. Go with the low-hanging fruit. What are your thoughts about marrying a woman who wears abaya but is too scared to wear it at family gatherings and weddings? Abaya is not the only valid thing for a woman to wear. As long as the aura is covered, and the clu- which includes that the, clu- the clothes is loose, then that uh, way of dressing is um, correct. Omra trip. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, listen up. We, we're trying to do this Omra thing. Pennies. I'm, penny stocks. You know what penny stocks are? Right? This is a penny donations. Listen, pennies. Give me your pennies. $9,624. And we're halfway through the month. Okay? So we're a little under 50%. Okay? Let's get to 10K today. Give me your pennies. Literally, go in there, put in some pennies. Because if everyone does it, give me your pennies. Penny stocks here. One buck, two bucks, three bucks. Are you not entertained by the Scene Society live stream? And it's free for you, right? Am I even asking you money for myself? Go and put in two bucks, three bucks, four bucks, five bucks for the Umrah. Where is the website? Put it up for us, launchgood.com slash Omra for youth. What did the gladiator say? Are you not entertained? <laughs> so give us your four bucks, two bucks, three bucks, okay? Penny stocks, and we will get to 10K today. I should have made that announcement earlier. Hey, hey uh, while we do that, can you put up the... Um, the video that I wanted to show everyone. Let's go to Waqas Sheikh's women who have a public Instagram channel. Would be would that be best considered permissible? Would that be considered permissible? Yeah, I don't like the idea. I'm not going to say permissible and not permissible. I'm going to say I do not like the idea. My wife or daughter is out there releasing videos and then getting thrashed. No, that's not martyrdom. That's not being a hero. Okay. Out publicly doing that stuff. It wouldn't make me happy. That's all I can say. I can't tell you halal and haram, right? On that issue. People don't play. You, you got to know how to handle the heat. People are vicious. People are vicious. I'm telling you. And they will enjoy your suffering. Okay. They will enjoy your suffering. Chocolate Walla, who were the original speakers for the PBD podcast? Uh, he's talking about the four panelists on the. Yeah, they say Jake and were yeah, not the original. Uh, they were not the originals. Who oh, were the originals? Mohammed Hijab was supposed to be there. Oh, he would have been and good. One of his uh, friends, I forget who. His boy, his boy is Ali Dawa, yeah. right? I don't know if it was Ali Dawa. I think it might have been someone else. Somebody else, okay. Yeah, they were like last minute substitutes. No, okay. 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 Uh, I have the thing ready. All right, let, watch this video, everyone. This video is, we're, we don't need to watch the whole thing, just a few minutes. This man, 
feeds people outside the Hussein Mosque every day. Of course, he has a team, I'm sure, and he cooks, but he does cook the mostly. He cooks it himself. Look how exhausted he's going to look. Um, I'm sure he has donors, but this is what he does every single day outside the mosque of Hussein in Cairo. All right, go. I wish that the person had taken a picture of the lines, but maybe just for the dignity of the recipients. Look at he's got, that looks like it's mashed up white cheese mixed with cucumbers and tomato. Lower the volume a little bit. Um, yeah, lower the volume. Just have a little volume so I can talk over him. All right. Huh? It looks like it's white cheese, which is a soft cheese that melts and that, that sort of dissolves. And then he's got tomatoes and cucumbers in that. It's a very salty cheese. Then he's got a whole stack of bread. Then he's got du'a is a spice. And it's the coriander, like coriander seeds. Right? What are the coriander seeds called? The seeds of, of, of the coriander plant. I think coriander is the seed. Yeah. And they crush it. It's, it's, a, it's really nice. Then he's got uh, eggs. And he's got um, food, which is basically like a ground fava beans mixed with coriander, made into balls and fried. Those are those little brown things that um, that he's serving there with his hands and he's putting one in a piece of bread and he is <laughs> someone just put it back someone didn't want that but it looks like he's not putting a lot in each thing of bread probably he's got a long line okay these are the awliya of Allah these are the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that are amongst the people Okay. This is all he does every day. I'm sure he has a couple of donors that give him the money. There, you get an egg and a piece of bread. That's an egg, and there's a fava, be fava green burger, they call them nowadays, the, the new hipsters, they call them that. That's called tamiya. Tamiya. Right, which is basically a, what I said. Okay. Cairo's a rough place, man. You're not going to be too rough around the edges. This is not easy. Look at these hands, and he's dealing with this. Cairo is a constant, non-stop stress. Okay? Non-stop stress, and you end up living a life of no messing around. If you hang out with these people enough, you're going to be like that. There's no time for negotiating nonsense. Okay? Look at this. Hands, hands, hands. There's food at the bottom there. You saw that. Those brown beans. So... 
It's really, really one of our goals to make the soup kitchen operating for, with free food seven days a week by 2030, inshallah. That's going to mean a full staff, a full kitchen, for full-time workers, two, at least two full-time workers, I would say. Okay, and and I think we would serve dinners. This looks like it's breakfast, right? This is breakfast food. Huh? Yeah. Every Egyptian eats this food all day, all night. If they, you know, if the Egyptian uh, cuisine is served, that's the cuisine essentially. Okay. Every every country is going to have their default cuisine, right? Look at that's empty. Glass done with. Boom. Finished. All right, let's see how generous our supporters are. Give me your pennies. Give me your pennies. Give me your singles. We went from 9,624 to loading. Allahu Akbar, 9,624. Amazing. We got such generous viewers. Amazing. We went up a whole zero. Alhamdulillah, they didn't take the money, right? Shua is saying, what is he saying? He's saying, oh, people with the Salah on the Prophet. And he's saying, Ya Wali and Ni'am, oh, giver of, of blessings. And then he's saying, hey, don't give me a headache. Move back. Back up. Take it easy. I'll give you what you want. Don't worry. You'll be happy. He's saying all these things. He's managing chaos over here. Right? Please. Please. Back up. That's what he's saying. Don't give me a headache. I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. All right, that's what that's stuff where he's saying. Where should we donate? Says NN. Launchgood.com slash Umrah with no H for write it again for them. Umrah for youth. Write it again for them. There you go. So NN is going to get it going, get us to 10,000 Because, you know, oh, it's 3,000, we got to go. Yeah, you can stop the video here. Would you go to Speaker's Corner next time? Yeah, I'll go and I'll, we'll do a dhikr and a... Well, we're going to sit on the ground. We'll do a dhikr circle. And then we'll give a talk and then we'll open everybody. We'll have. Can we bring speakers there? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Something very interesting actually that I heard uh, Sheikh Asra, he gave a talk I think yesterday or two days ago Yeah, I saw a clip where he mentioned that um, uh, He's talking about Hyde Park Hyde Park is where Speaker's Corner That's Speaker's Corner, right? He was saying that um, he heard from a source uh, That around 30% of Speaker's Corner Like the people that go there are Ash'ari now But like they're low-key Like they're not coming out And and who knows like and, uh, Obviously I, I trust his judgment but that's what he's saying, that 30% of the people at Speaker's Corner are, are low-key. The more status. people debate atheists, the more they will come to realize why the Ash'aris established the principles they established. When you live in a world where you have to debate with atheists, and atheists are constantly throwing, trying to find inconsistencies in your doc, dogma and doctrine and beliefs, okay, you realize why the Shi'u did what they did. Our goal is not to, to promote the name Ash'ari. It's the content. It's the truth of it. Okay? When, am I, when are we coming to Toronto soon? But the first trip is Texas, ladies and gentlemen. The last weekend of October, it's Houston, Dallas, Austin. One day in each. Okay? 
All right, so we have some people donating here, which is very nice. All right, let's see what we have, or at least said that they would donate. We go from 9,624, you know these telethons? This is like a small version of that, to 9,673. Someone's asking, will you tell us the name of the secret speaker if we get you to 10K? If you get me, well, last time you failed. Last right? time we had like a few dollars. Well, last time we had like three bucks to go and you failed. Now we're at 200, we're at 300 and... $27 away. 327 How, See if my math is good. $327 away. Okay. We didn't get there. SN is saying, where's the link? He's going to type it in right now for you. Okay. We didn't get there. So we're going to give 60 seconds. 60 seconds. Yeah, that's correct. Launch good data. All right. <laughs> All right. Now we're at 9,700, 300 away. You know, these uh, auctions, these auctioneers, right? We need 300. Now we need 200. Now we need 100. Calling people to sadaqah is as good as anything else. Like what we're doing here, people don't realize, is as good as anything else. Calling people to give sadaqah, it's one of the best of deeds that people can do. Truth be told. Okay? It's one of the best of deeds to call people to sadaqah. And hey, listen. You all have a dollar, two dollars, three dollars. Penny stocks is what I'm asking for. Penny stocks is what I'm asking for. Subhanallah. Okay? You know what a penny stock is? It's a publicly traded company that's useless. Yeah, like a stock is worth pennies, right? And in the past, some people used to, it's, it, but it's publicly traded, but it's just useless. It's a company that no one has any confidence in, and it's, it's even its business would not even grow. Like a guy who sells fences, right? Or a guy who, and he, may, but he makes his stock, or a guy who has an airport, right? He's got an airport in Montana. Whoa, what just happened? What Let's, just happened? Looks like we had a very good uh -oh. All right, we got a, uh, a, a grand slam hit. Took us over 10K in one shot. Maybe it's not one shot. Maybe it was more. I think it was one, maybe. Okay. Could have been. You never. Check, right? Yeah, let's see. Um, but I do now owe you. I do owe you. Now, a hint. A hint. I do owe them a hint. Although I did not explicitly say I'm going to give a hint. Okay. But I will give you a hint for putting us over 10000 to send youth to Umrah. I'll tell you why we're doing this. The prices are through the roof. Jata, clip this. It's to support Umrah for youth. High school youth do not get any one week period of time eight days ex off in the year except once summertime it may be very difficult for them because of firstly uh hedges now then then they have all their summer business and it's very hot for them and the prices are still hot right high christmas break winter break is the only time 
But the prices are through the roof. Okay? The prices are through the roof. We have to help them because we want to take the people who are not very financially accommodated, those people, and give them a chance. And they go to public schools or Islamic schools or homeschools, but mainly public schools. Okay? We want them to go to Umrah. Launch Good Mia Haas is saying, how do we donate to this cause? Launchgood.com slash Umrah for number four youth. And again, another very generous person. Another very generous person. SubhanAllah. May Allah be generous with all of you that we have now passed the halfway mark of the 10. Now I have to give you the hint. The hint for who our two speakers are. I said a hint. They want the names, but I said a hint. Offer, counter offer. That's how it works, right? They want the names, I'll give a hint. One of them is from the U.S. One of them is from the U.K. That's your hint. That's the hint. That is the hint. Okay. That You know when people say, what are you going to give the khutbah about today? I'm walking up to the member. Oh, what are you going to give the khutbah about today? Al-Islam. <laughs> That's what I tell them. Deen islam Okay. So you got one hint at a time. Is that not a hint? One is from the UK. And both are Muslim too. Because look, it could have been like, uh, and, and, and let me t- tell you the other part. It's not Andrew Tate. I don't know where that rumor came from, right? Huh? What's that? No, no, this is just what, uh, what is good about. Well, that's good enough of a hint because it's not, I don't know where this bizarre rumor, and they hated so much on Othman's, Othman was excited. He said, listen, we got, we got uh, these amazing podcasts coming out, and everyone was like, oh, it's probably, it gets rumor spread that it's Andrew Tate. SubhanAllah, something very strange. Uh, where would you get that? Like, and any anyway, I would if if I would interview, would I interview him? I don't know. All right, one of you is close. One of you is close, ladies and gentlemen. Allah will reward you all for for helping and taking these youth to Umrah. Jazakumullah khairan, everyone. All right. Um, it was a nice nice being here on an elongated podcast since we didn't stream on Monday. And we will be back tomorrow, in the day ta'ala. My closing words with you, for you, if you have any needs from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wait for the time of the adhan. Once the adhan goes off in the masjid, the dua at that time, is acceptable. It's accepted. So, whether it's an adhan in your home, wherever the adhan is, that's my advice. You never to forget this. Okay? Never to forget this because this is how people's lives are changed is by dua and believing in dua. Jazakumullah khairan, everybody. Amazing job getting us past 10K for those people who donated. Okay? Uh, I'm getting a message here that says terrible hint you should be jailed why don't you tell them also that both of them are men okay and mashallah another amazing donor here for 11,269 now we're almost going to reach 
Subhanallah, we've had, this is the, one of the best days raising funds for this Umrah for Youth program to try to make it now uh, an even three thousand dollar ticket for those who need, those who have the need for this. The even eleven three thousand dollar ticket. The ticket is now four thousand, right? More than that. So thank you all very much for those watching and those doing it. Uh, why don't you tell us that they have beards or not? Yes, they all have beards. No, they're Muslims. They have beards. They're men. One's from England, one's from UK. Five hints. SubhanAllah. I offered one hint. You got five hints. Thank you all very much. Jazakumullah khairan. We're off. We'll see you tomorrow. SubhanakAllahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواسوا بالحق وتواسوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Jesus.